If you have your Bible with you this morning, and I hope you do, please turn to Colossians chapter 3. We have begun a new section in our study of Christ above all from the book of Colossians. It is a section that teaches us as believers how to exalt Christ in all we do. It's a section that naturally develops out of what Paul wrote in Colossians 3 verse 17, which reads this, Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Well, in this section, Paul starts to go through some of those major things that you and I do on a daily basis. And he begins to unfold for us how we are to perform those things that we do for the honor and the exaltation of Jesus Christ. In fact, in verses uh, in chapter 3, verse 18, on to chapter 4, verse 1, Paul gives us six concrete examples in how we as believers exalt Jesus Christ in everything we say and do, and he organizes those six examples into three main categories. First, Paul shows you and I how to exalt Christ in your marriage as a wife and then as a husband. That's in verses 18 through 19. Second, how to exalt Christ in your family, first as a child and then as a parent. That's in verses 20 through 21. And then finally, how to exalt Christ in your vocation. That's in verses, uh, in, in chapter 3, verse 22, on into chapter 4, verse 1, how to exalt Christ as an employee and then as an employer. And so if we want to exalt Jesus Christ above all, that happens more than just with our words. It is to take place by how we live our everyday life around those who are nearest and dearest to us. Exalting Christ does not begin out there. It begins in here and then among those who are around me on a daily basis. I need to learn, you and I need to learn how to exalt Christ above all in our marriages, in our families, and in our workplaces. Last week we looked at how to exalt Christ above all in your marriage as a believing wife. And today, we're going to consider how to do so as a believing husband. And so with that in mind, let's read Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 18. On into chapter 4, verse 1. The Word of God reads, Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. 
For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a Master in heaven. This is the Word of God who causes us not to forget His Word. Let's pray. Father, we ask that You would teach us today by Your Spirit, through Your Word. Give us eyes to see the love of Christ today. Give us ears to hear the power of Your truth. Give us hearts Hearts to obey and run in the path of Your commandments for the glory and honor of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Give us grace in this time of need, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If we desire to exalt Christ daily in everything we say and do, then that means that you and I must take a careful look at how to first exalt Christ in your marriage That's in verses 18 through 19. Last week we looked at how to exalt Christ in your marriage as a wife, where Paul wrote, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. In other words, because Christ is above all, the way that you as a wife show your faith in the Supreme One, Jesus Christ, and how you demonstrate His preeminence over all authority is by submitting to your own husband when an irreconcilable difference occurs. And she does this because Paul says it is fitting in the Lord. Colossians 2.10 says that Christ is the head of all rule and authority. And believing wives are to reflect that belief in Christ's supremacy by submitting to the delegated authority of their husbands. This is how they reflect to others the glorious reality that Christ is above all. But today, we're going to look at how to exalt Christ in your marriage as a husband. That's in verse 19, where Paul writes this, Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Again, just as we noticed last week, Paul is addressing husbands here, not wives, but the husbands. Just as the responsibility of verse 18 lay totally with the wife, the responsibility to apply verse 19 lies totally with the husband. In other words, it is not your responsibility, wives, to tell your husband to step up and to begin to lead and to love you better. No, trust me, you want your husband's actions to be grounded on a much higher authority and a much deeper conviction than just the persistence of an incessant wife. You want your husband's actions to be grounded upon the authority of Christ Himself and the steadfast conviction of His own soul. So wives, just pray and be faithful in exalting Christ in your role and Christ who is the head of your husband 
as 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3 says, He will do His work in His way in His time. And so Paul is addressing husbands here. And again, just as I pointed out last week, Paul is addressing not just any husbands, he is addressing believing husbands. Paul is writing to Christian men who have resolved to live with a woman in a household environment in the only way that honors and exalts Christ, and that is by entering into the covenant of marriage. And now, having become husbands, Paul now writes this section to those men to help them exalt Jesus Christ above all in their specific marriage role. So Paul says, husbands, if you want to show the world on a daily basis that Christ is above all, the supreme and sufficient one, then the first step in fulfilling that mission is to carry out this most basic, fundamental command. Husbands, love your wives. Listen up, men. That is the Christ-exalting command to be obeyed by a believing husband. It is the command to love your wife. Not to provide for your wife merely. Nor to merely protect your wife. To love her in her entirety. Now obviously, if you love your wife, you will provide for and protect her. You will nourish her and you will care for her physically, just as Ephesians 5.29 states, you will take care of her earthly needs. But while love certainly includes provision and protection, love encompasses so much more than just provision and protection. And if all you're doing this morning is providing for your wife, If all you're doing, husband, is working from 8 to 8 and carrying a concealed weapons permit, you are not loving your wife. Because your wife is more than just a physical body to be taken care of. Your wife is a spiritual and an emotional being that God calls on you, husband, to nourish and to cherish in all her entirety. And how are you doing in loving her like that? Could it be, husbands, that in your pursuit to provide for your wife, you may have actually stopped loving her? Sure, you might be putting choice food on the table, but what is that worth if you're not at the table with her? You might be putting a glorious roof over her head, But what is that worth if she does not have your shoulder to rest it on? That is why God says, Husbands, if you want to show that Jesus Christ is above all in your marriage, then you are to love your wife, not just part of your wife, all of your wife in all of her entirety. Physically, yes, but also spiritually and emotionally. And so before we even go on any further this morning, I'm going to lay on the application already for you a little bit. Husbands, are you providing for your wife spiritually? You ought to be. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ. As Christ loved the church 
and gave Himself for her. Why? That He might sanctify her, having cleansed her with the washing of water with the Word, so that He might present the church to Himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. I have a question for you, husbands. How long would you want your wife to go without a shower in the morning? Not very long, right? I'm assuming. In fact, I could take an educated guess that most of you would probably do the dishes, cook dinner, watch the kids, and put them to bed if that meant that your wife could have the time for the day to take shower I knew this was going to be rough husbands when's the last time you did any of those things to make sure that your wife had time to spend alone with God Most wives, if you were to ask them, feel like they don't have the time or the freedom or the encouragement to have their own time with God. We need to do better. We need to love our wives in their entirety, not just physically, but spiritually. Second, husbands, are you providing for your wife emotionally? See, marriage is fundamentally a covenant of companionship. God put you in your marriage, husband, so that you would be your wife's best and closest friend. The Song of Solomon 5, verse 16 says, This is my beloved and this is my friend. You see, you are to be your wife's best friend. So husband, are you working on that? Are you striving to provide for your wife emotionally by being her closest companion? and dearest friend? Or are you so absent in your presence or in your attention and interests that she is seeking close companionship elsewhere? We need to do better. We need to love our wives in all their entirety. Love them physically, spiritually, and emotionally. You know what that's going to take? It's going to take an effort, a supreme effort of our will as men. And that's exactly what God calls for here in this passage when he says, Husbands, love your wives. See, there are four Greek words in the New Testament to describe love. The word for love given here is agapao. It is the word that means the love of the will. See, in our Western fairy tale culture, we often think of love being grounded almost entirely on emotions. So when we talk about love, we talk about it as a feeling that we fall into, or as Cupid's arrow that strikes us when we see a pretty face. Now I need to be clear, I am not dismissing the presence of emotions when it comes to love. I myself had a love at first sight a situation that happened to me when I saw Char for the very first time. I nearly dropped my textbooks in a college bookstore. Okay, I get emotions are a part of love, right? 
But if my love had remained at merely an emotional level, it would have been immature, it would have been fickle, and it would have been short-lived. I would have fallen out of love just as quickly as I fell into it. And that is the type of culture that we find ourselves in today. According to the National, uh, National Center of Health, 42, or 44% of all marriages in America end in divorce. We live in a Proverbs 20, verse 6 culture which reads, Many a man proclaims his steadfast love, but a man of faithfulness, who can find him? We live in a culture where love is grounded on the fickleness of our emotions which change almost hourly, and not on the faithfulness of the will. But if love is to be mature and constant, if love is to be faithful and sure, if our love is to look anything like the love of Jesus Christ, which never dies, then love, it, then those fickle emotions that we have have to grow and become grounded in a steadfast will and a devoted determination. Song of Solomon chapter 8, verses 6-7 through seven, describes, describes this type of willful love perfectly. It's a type of love that our world doesn't even know about. In, in Song of Solomon 8, verses 6 through 7, the woman turns to her husband and she says this to him Set me like a seal upon your heart, like a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death. Jealousy is fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. And yet we have marriages that can't even survive tennis shoes being put in the doorway. Or dishwashers that aren't empty. Song of Solomon 8, verses 6-7 through 7, describes agapata love. And that's what God is calling for here in Colossians 3.19. He's calling for husbands to love their wives with everything they have, with all of their heart and with all of their will. Just as the Christian wife was called on last week to exercise her will and choose to submit to her husband in a Christ-exalting way, so the Christian husband is called on here to exercise his will and to choose to love his wife in a Christ-exalting way also. So what does this type of agapao love, this type of Christ-exalting love look like? Well, interestingly enough, to answer that question, this is usually the point in the passage where commentators and pastors just flip you over to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 33, and just exposit that whole passage for the rest of our time, which talks about how husbands are to love their wives just as Christ loved the church. But I'm not going to do that this morning. Because if Paul wanted to make that point here in Colossians, he would have made it, but he doesn't. Paul takes a unique and a focused approach here in Colossians, and I want you to see that. And I want you to learn what Paul intends for us here. And so how are we supposed to define agapao love uniquely here in Colossians? Well, we don't have to wonder because Paul has already defined it for us earlier. We had no idea how important it was, though, as husbands until it came to this moment. See, the last time we saw this word agapao used in Colossians was back in Colossians 3, verse 14. There Paul wrote, and above all these... Put on love, that is our word, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So there Paul encourages every believer, not just husbands, to put on agapao love. Why? Because he says it binds everything together in perfect harmony. And what does Paul mean by everything? Well, he mentions everything that's been mentioned in the previous two verses, back in verses 12-13, through where Paul gives three sets of Christ-like virtues 
that every single one of us as believers are to put on. And what Paul is saying in verse 14 is that that one word wraps up and defines all those other virtues. And that one word is love. Agapao. And so don't miss this. When Paul is saying, husbands, love your wives, he's not being general like he is in Ephesians. He's not keeping it at a principle level that we've got to derive applications from. He is being very specific and he is being very direct and he is saying, husbands, love your wives and I've already shown you exactly what that means. Show your wives compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forbearance, and forgiveness. Do those words mark the interactions that you have with your wife on a daily basis, husband? When you come home after a day of work and you see your wife frazzled, worn out, and on edge, is your heart struck with compassion and sympathy towards her state in that moment? And do you move to perform acts of kindness towards her in those moments? Or do you move to the couch or the recliner, the garden or the work shed in an unfeeling fashion? Husband, are you showing your wife compassion leading to kindness? Are you loving your wife? Second, Maybe when you, are, you as a couple are making decisions. Are you husband doing so from a position of humility? From a position of low-mindedness, always considering first what she would like and what she would prefer? Let me ask you another question. When's the last time, husband, you've done something that made no sense to you, but you did it anyway because you knew that it would make her feel better? Husband, are you showing your wife humility leading to meekness? Are you loving your wife? And then finally, maybe when your wife overlooks something or she makes a mistake or she acts in a way that might not have shown the most foresight, are you responding to her in patience, gently overlooking that event and forgiving her? Or do you always have to let her know every time something does not live up to your personal expectations? Are you showing her patience leading to forbearance and forgiveness? Are you loving your wife? See, Paul is being very direct here. And I could go on and on and on with the applications. But if we as husbands want to show the world that Jesus Christ is above all, that Jesus Christ is Lord and you and I are not, then that all begins at home by sacrificially, selflessly loving our wives as it's described here in Colossians. By showing them on a daily basis compassion leading to kindness, humility leading to meekness, and patience leading to forbearance and forgiveness. This is what it means to love your wives even as Christ loved the church. It means loving them with all their entirety, with an agapao love, with all of our heart and with all of our will. Loving her with all the compassion and kindness, humility and meekness, patience and forbearance and forgiveness that God has poured out into your heart through the Holy Spirit that's been given to you. 
This is how we exalt Christ in our marriage roles. It is by loving our wives. And as the Greek indicates, finally, to keep on loving her. That's really what's being said in this verse. If you were to translate it as awkwardly and as literally as possible, it would read something like this. Husbands, keep on loving your wives and stop being harsh with them. It's almost like he knows what's going on or something. You say, well, why in the world would God word it that way? The answer is because there's often going to be times in your marriage when it is not going to be easy to love your wife in the way that we've just looked at. Just like husbands sometimes make it hard for wives to submit to them by how they act, so also wives sometimes make it hard for their husbands to love them by how they act too. And that is why God says, Husbands, keep on loving your wives. Don't let anyone or anything stop you from showing them compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness. Set your will on your wife in steadfast love. Just in case you missed it from the positive, Paul flips it to the negative at the end of the verse. And he writes, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. See, why does he say that? Because again, he knows us and he knows what we are prone to do. He knows that we can be prone to be harsh towards the very one that we are called to love the most. In fact, that word for harsh is actually very close to the word for bitter. So have in your mind that feeling of an extremely sour taste in your mouth that sets your teeth on edge. Paul is saying, husbands, get rid of that spirit towards your wife. Get rid of it. Get rid of that spirit of harsh bitterness towards your wife. It's just like what he said back in Colossians 3, verse 8, when he wrote to all believers, but now you must put them all away. Anger, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. You say, well, what is that describing? That's describing someone who is harsh you're not loving your wife when you're simmering in anger at her you're not loving your wife when you're lashing out in wrath and frustration at her you're not loving your wife when you're wanting in malice to get back at her for something that she did or said And you're not loving your wife when you're obscenely talking negatively about her before other people. So husbands, in light of this, ask yourself this morning, is my relationship with my wife characterized most by love or harshness? Are your interactions with your wife marked more by the compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forbearance, and forgiveness of Christ? Is she seeing Christ's life in you? Or are your interactions with your wife marked more by the anger, the wrath, the malice, the slander, and the obscene talk that marked your former way of life? Because this is where exalting Christ begins. If we don't get it right in our marriage, we won't get it right anywhere. It begins by loving that woman that you promise to love and to cherish from this day forward as long as you both shall live. Loving her not just by fickle emotions, 
but with the steadfast determination of a will that wants to set the love of Christ on the one who is closest and dearest to you. Loving her with the eternal and steadfast love of Christ Himself, with the very love with which you are loved by Him. So how are you doing? I encourage you husbands, this morning, do not compare yourselves with other men. Compare yourselves to Scripture. How are you doing, husbands, in loving your wives with the steadfast love of Christ? And you know, as I was thinking about it this week, here's my specific project and homework for you, husbands. How about in humility? You ask your wives to tell you how you're doing as you go home today. Ask them in what ways you can change in order to show them on a daily basis the love of Christ more clearly. Because our pride is not at stake. The honor and exaltation of Jesus Christ is. That's what's at stake. So whatever we do in word or deed, we do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. You want to be a soldier of the cross, men? Start loving your wife and stop being harsh with them. This is how you exalt Christ above all in your marriage as a husband. Love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Next week we'll look at how to exalt Christ above all in our families, but I think we'd all agree this is enough for today. So, this is the Word of God from Colossians chapter 3, verse 19, which I now commit to your further study and your faithful obedience till He comes to that end. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You for how it cuts to the heart, discerns the thoughts and intentions of our heart. We thank You that it is also the sword that heals. That as we see in our lives areas that need to change, we thank You that in Christ, who has made us complete, You will change us to be able to exalt Jesus in our marriages. Father, I do want to pray for the men and women of our church. I pray that You would help. Help us as men to think more about the Gospel to think more about the kindness and compassion of Christ. To think more about His patience and forbearance and forgiveness. To think more about His grace and His love so that we would be able to show it to our wives. Father, in the midst of a world where marriages are falling apart, help us to have marriages that honor and exalt Christ above all. May you give us all men humility as we lay our hearts out before our wives later today. 
so that we would know in what ways we can honor you more on a daily basis. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.